listening to Glad Tidings. Today, we have Pastor Roger T. bringing the word. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Welcome back to our service, and even for those who are online, thank you for joining us this morning. It's so good to have you here. This season, we've been on a series leading up to Christmas Day, where we will have, we'll be finishing with a Christmas miracle. And really, just like our brother Nick shared just now, continue to invite your friends to come. We want to fill this hall for Christmas so that they can receive the Christmas miracle for themselves. Amen? And so last week, Pastor Michael started us off powerfully on this series on the topic of faith. And he shared about the faith of the Roman centurion that was so great to believe in the power and authority and miracles of Jesus to break through. Amen? And so we stood up at the end of service and we just declared in unity together in faith the promises of God over our lives, over our homes, over our families, and it was so powerful. And I believe that even as you went through the past week, that as you put on the lens of faith, that things have shifted in your journey. Amen. May we continue to align ourselves to what God wants, and truly, God is good, and we will see His goodness come to pass in our lives. Amen. Today, you might have guessed, our topic is on hope, and we've been singing about hope. We declare that our hope has a name. His name is Jesus, and that's who we fix our eyes on, right? And hope is so important to our lives. Imagine what it would be like to go through life without having anything to look forward to. Imagine if you had to go through a life believing that there was nothing good to come in the days ahead. How would that feel? It would be so challenging, you know, and really, we find in the Bible that hope is so important, not just to human beings, but to believers as well. And that's what we're going to touch on today. Yeah, and even if you read in, 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 in philosophers and quotes out there, there's this novelist called uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. Wow, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And he said, um, to live without hope is to cease to live. You know, he's poetically saying that hope is what brings meaning to our lives. And we actually read it in the Bible. We read it in Psalms when it talks about hope. Why is my soul so downcast? And he speaks to his soul and says, you have to hope in God. Hope in God because the righteous who hope in God will see deliverance and God's faithfulness. And we read it in Ecclesiastes and Lamentations and Job that life without hope has no meaning. God created human beings to have hope. It is as important to our soul as oxygen is to our lungs. And so it is a sign that we are alive. It is the privilege of the living to be able to hope. And that's why as believers, we have to get our hope right because there is a way that God wants us to hope. There is an anchor that God wants us to place our hope on. And his name is Jesus and is so different from the hope that is found in the world. Amen? Today, um, I'm going to share another story about my kids. I think that uh, my daughter is here listening to my sermon. She wanted to join in today. Can you guys say hi, Natalie? Yeah, she wanted to support me. But I think every time she comes, she hears stories about uh, the children, and she must be wondering, wow, this daddy and mommy, they must have had children in order to have sermon illustration. (laughs) But anyway, I, I love her support. 
You know, I told her that every time I look over and see her, I feel her support. And, and it really touches my heart as a father that she wants to come and hear this message today. And I, so I pray it touches her as well as everyone that is here. You know, she's the youngest one here today, except maybe for the babies in the toddler's room. But I hope that she'll be able to catch today's message as well. You know, think about one thing. What is one thing that you're hoping for, hoping in your heart for this season? Just have a thought about that. I know what my children hope for every Christmas, right? Usually we have a tree set up, you know, um, early on, and there will be presents under the tree. And they will look, walk past the tree every day looking at the presents, trying to guess what is inside, and they will be looking forward to open those presents. How many of you love presents? Give me a wave. Oh, the whole room, yeah. Okay, husbands take note, boyfriends take note, uh, future boyfriends take note as well. And we have an interesting rule in our home, okay? Don't judge me if you're a parent, but hear me out. I know that different people have parent, different parenting styles. But what we do is the day before Christmas, on Christmas Eve, we will let the children open one present. You know, and there's a practical reason for this. It's because usually on Christmas Day, our family is out the whole day. And they're out from early in the morning, so they don't even stay up late until midnight to be able to open their presents. And so, you know, me and uh, Sarah just discussed, and we said, okay, we don't want them to wait so long, out all day, waiting, and then they feel like ministry is more important than family, and then they go home all tired, and then they get to open their presents. So we give them a treat and say, you get to open one present one day early, right? And, um, and so they get to enjoy, you know, just seeing that first present, and then it helps them to look forward for the remaining presents and not feel like they have to wait so long because they've already enjoyed a glimpse of it, a bit of it. And today I was just reflecting our journey of hope before God that it relates to this because we also have two things that we anchor our hope on. Firstly, in what has already happened, Jesus has come. God became flesh and he came to make a way for us to have salvation, to have, for us to have freedom. And when we receive him into our hearts, we, we already get to, to taste that goodness and that salvation, amen? But at the same time, we look forward to something, right? We look forward to the day when Jesus will come again, when his kingdom will come in its fullness, when he will establish a new heaven and a new earth, and we're able to live in the fullness of that kingdom and that joy because we haven't fully experienced it yet. And so just like my children who get to catch a glimpse of it, my hands are crossed, you guys are telling me stories about us again. Um, and uh, just like then, they get a foretaste of the present to come, the, 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 the joy of opening it all. We get a foretaste as well of the kingdom that is to come. And we eagerly anticipate it, amen? Our hearts are fixed on it. We are forward-looking in our faith and our hope. That is who we are as Christians. We're not just in the present. Our freedom is not just found in the present, but it's talking about the freedom in eternity, in eternal life, in that new heaven and new earth. Amen? And so, one year... Oh, this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> one year, one of my daughters picked up a present, and I was like, oh, no. I don't think this should be the one that you open as your early present because I knew what was inside and I felt maybe it wasn't as exciting 
as some of the other presents. And I didn't want a situation, how many of you have young kids where they will compare and then their sister is all enjoying their present and then they see something that is not as exciting, right? And I don't want to give the impression that they're unappreciative, but they're young children and they will compare, right? And so she took this big package and she's like, I want to open this. I said, maybe you shouldn't. I think that one's better. I think that one's better. And guess what happened? She didn't believe me. She thought I was trying to trick her. I think she needs to learn to trust her father, just as we need to learn to trust our heavenly father. And so it's a bit bulky, you know, so maybe she thought it was a big uh, toy or, you know, a soft toy, it's quite squishy. And she decides to open it, and I was like, oh no, here we go. Lo and behold, it is a pair of pajamas from grandma. <laughs> and then to the left, she looks, and there's this exciting toy her sister opens up. And then to the right, she looks, there's this exciting arts and crafts kit that, you know, the other sister is like, whoa, I'm going to start painting this straight away. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> and I knew that she wasn't happy. And so I want to ask you guys a question before we go on. If you were a parent, what would you do? Okay, this is important. You know, and this is no judgment. I just want to know in the first service, half, half. All right, I want to see the spectrum here. Everyone respond. How many of you would let her take another present, a second present? Straight hand straight up, hand straight up. Pastor Michael, Mathilda, all right. Yeah? How many of you say that, hey, a rule's been given, she needs to learn, and uh, I'm not going to let her open up the rest until, I mean, a second one until the next day. Put up your hand, straight up. Straight up, straight up. <laughs> I can see some of the rest looking and judging you guys, but in fact, there are more people that put up your hand for the second one. And so me and my wife, we are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Pastor Sarah looks at me and she's like, Roger, look at her. Let her open la. She's so sad. And I, I said, no. We had told them the rules. Before they opened, I said, you know, you get to open one and no more. Appreciate what you open. In fact, I even tried to steer her in the right direction, right? And you have to learn how to wait. So I told her, my daughter, that. And truly, she learned how to wait. I think the next day, she was more excited to open the presents than ever, you know, before. She, this is the first time that she woke up so early that before church, she could open her presence, you know, before we came to church. And so she learned how to wait. She learned how to appreciate, you know, that full joy. And not only that, I saw the other two daughters begin to offer up what they had opened to her. And they told her, hey, you can play with this. You can use this until tomorrow, you know, as though it were her present that were open. And so they were able to share, uh, show empathy. And that's something that touches my heart as a father, you know, that they're able to, to support their sister that way, and it, it gave them a chance to do that as well, right? But one thing, as I thought back about this funny memory that spoke to me for today, is that in our faith journey, as we're hoping for things, there are going to be times in our journey where God will give us not what we want, but what we need. Because grandma knew that she needed a new pair of pajamas, right? But it wasn't what she wanted, you know, to play with, you know, and she wanted to enjoy it in a different way. But in our own journey, it's the same thing. We're going to encounter situations 
where what God provides doesn't feel like what we expected, doesn't feel like what we wanted, right? And we have to learn to appreciate God's plan and know that whatever he's giving us in that season, he is Jehovah Jireh. It is more than sufficient. It is exactly what we need to get through that season, even if it is so far from what we want. And we need to trust him as the good shepherd and be able to say truly, I'm not in lack. I'm not in want, even though there are things that I thought I wanted, which hasn't happened yet. And that is the hope that, that the Bible tries to teach us and tries to put in our hearts that we don't just base our hope on wishful thinking. You know, that's what the world's hope is based on, where we, we hope in something. I hope I get a good parking, you know. Um, every time I'm with Iluth in the car, she's like, let's pray for parking. You know, I believe that we're going to get parking, a good parking. And most of the time it happens, praise God, you know. And how many of you have been following the World Cup? Give me a wave. Woo! Yeah, and we have hopes for the teams to win. In fact, I have talked to so many people in this season where they have already been so disappointed in some of the teams that have been kicked out, right? How many of you supported Brazil? Yeah, last night Portugal, wonderful, right? <laughs> and in Malaysia, we always support England because English Premier League has been the one that has been most you know, prominent in our country, right? How many of you were sad when England got kicked out last night? I hope none of you are trying to catch up on the games later and didn't know the results and were avoiding it. <laughs> I apologize if that is so. But truly, it teaches us that if we anchor our hope in the wrong place, we're going to get disappointed. When we put our hope in something other than God, there is disappointment to follow. And I have found that out very, very intimately as a Manchester United fan. We hope that you are enjoying the message so far. If you would like to know more about our church and get connected, head to our website at gladtidings.my. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the Word. These years have been horrible, heart-wrenching, and has taught me to fix my hope in God. You know, but the biblical hope that is described in the Bible is so different. It's not fixed on outcomes. It's not fixed on things that we desire for. It is shifted and rooted in God and God alone, in who God is, in the promise that He has made, in the steady foundation that Jesus is. That is where we anchor our hope in. And that's why this, this hope becomes an anchor for our soul. And in the passage that we just read, not only does it describe this hope, it describes the basis of this hope. Why can we have such a certain hope? Because in the world, worldly hope we talk about, it is something based on wishful thinking. I hope it might happen, it might not happen, but you know, it's a des my desire that it will happen. But then for the Bible, they always talks about hope as an eager, confident expectation in something that is certain. And why are we able to be so certain when we're in God? Hebrews gives us three key reasons why we have this foundation for our hope. All right, the first thing that it describes is because we have seen evidence of God's faithfulness. How many of you have seen evidence of God's faithfulness in your own life? Amen. Yeah, all over the hall. And so it says, look at 
the example of Abraham. I gave him a promise, right? God gave him a promise that was impossible to fulfill uh, unless there was a miracle, a supernatural miracle. And, and then I delivered on that promise. God did that, right? And so we even see it in how the Israelites always said, let's remember and look back at how we were delivered from, from Egypt, delivered from slavery, delivered from bondage. You know, you brought us through the Red Sea, God. And so, God, we remember that. We remember your past acts of salvation. And as believers today, we look back to the cross where Jesus Christ made a way where God became flesh so that we would have a way to have eternal life and to live in that freedom and salvation forever. We remember and know that God is faithful because he has uh, demonstrated his acts of salvation over and over and over again, amen? The second basis of our hope is this. It is that we trust in the character and the nature of God. And that's why in the passage we read, it kept emphasizing it was based on God's promise. It was based on God's oath, you know? And so because God is unchanging, because he is a God of truth, because he cannot lie. That is why when he gives a promise, it is absolutely certain to come to pass. And this is interesting because what jumped out was I've always thought of God as all-powerful, omnipotent, and then this verse shows us that there is something that God cannot do. God cannot go against his nature. God cannot go against his character. God cannot go against his love. God cannot go against his holiness. God cannot go against, you know, just, um, the, 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 um, the character of truth. And that's why he cannot lie. And that's what we hold on to. Amen? The third basis that is described as so powerful as well, it begins to talk about Jesus and related to him. From Abraham, he jumped all the way to Jesus. And it begins to describe the covenant that we have in Jesus. And so the third basis is that we serve a covenantal God. And what is a covenant? It is an unshakable, unbreakable contract between God and man. And what is this contract that has been established by the blood of Jesus, by the cross? The covenant is that if we put our faith in Jesus as our Messiah and Savior, we will receive the gift of eternal life. And that is an unbreakable, unshakable contract that God has established through His covenant and so there are three reasons why we're able to hope this way. We hope because we have seen evidence of his faithfulness. He has delivered throughout history over and over. The second thing, we trust his unchanging, unchanging nature and character. We trust in this God, in, in who he says he is and how he has proven himself. And finally, we trust in a covenantal God. He has established this powerful covenant we walk under when we put our faith in him and that's why we can receive this living hope this salvation this freedom this eternal life amen and so that is the standard of our hope that we reach for as believers it is not a hope that is fixed on outcomes it is a hope that is fixed on the god of the outcome it is not a, God, a, hope, a hope that is fixed on what is coming in the future. It's a hope that is fixed on a God that is in control of the future. And that's why our hope is so certain. That's why our hope is so sure. 
In fact, we're supposed to passionately wait in anticipation. That's what the Bible says. You know, and I've seen a lot of passion from football fans. You know, when Argentina won, I don't know why it went viral, but there were all these clips of these guys passionately hoping that Argentina win the World Cup. They were literally like on their knees like, Wah! you know. I wonder when we begin to see the fulfillment of hope in our lives, when we begin to see the breakthrough, whether we will be able to come before God and passionately celebrate in the same way. Amen? And so now that we know that standard of hope, what does it look like? How does it express itself in our daily lives? This is what I want to touch on before we, we, we go on, that there are two main characteristics I want to talk about today about this biblical hope that God has placed within us. Amen? The first thing is that is this. Our hope as believers is a persevering hope. Everyone say persevering. If you're online, just type in persevering hope. And you see evidence over and over that a Christian who has biblical hope is able to stand the test of time, is able to endure through the most difficult of circumstances, is able to hang on and hold on to this anchor, anchored in their soul, knowing that Jesus Christ is the good God that is going to deliver uh, uh, him or her and, and, and carry them through no matter what, that even in the storm, his presence anchors us. It is an enduring hope. It is a patient hope. And some of us know what it's like to have to wait many years for the fulfillment of our prayers. But this hope in certainty, this full assurance of hope that Hebrews talks about is what allows us, enables us, empowers us to keep going, amen? And when I think about this persevering hope, the story that dropped into my heart is, is a pretty famous one. How many of you know this name, Jim Elliot? How many of you heard this name? Is it familiar? I see some, no, I see some hands. I see some shakes. If I explain a bit more, some of you will be like, ah. Oh. So Jim Elliot and, and his four friends, there were five missionaries. Jim Elliot, um, Nate Saint, um, Ed McCulley, Pete Fleming, Roger Uderian. Five of these missionaries, they went to Ecuador. And they decided to honor God and, and respond to this call to reach out to an indigenous tribe in Ecuador called the Huarani tribe, you know? And so what happened was they prepared, they planned, they prayed. They even took time to minister to the tribes around that area so that they could understand the culture a bit more. And they took uh, a lot of preparation to share the gospel with this tribe that was so isolated that had never heard the gospel. In fact, any visitors and outsiders that had ever gone into that isolated place had been killed before, you know? And so they knew the risks that were involved, but yet they had this enduring hope that God had placed within them that salvation was his plan for this tribe. In fact, the only way to access this, this tribe is to go in with this plane, small plane, and then they, they figured out a way to, to spin in tiny circles and, and drop a rope so that it was able to pass food and, 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 and you know, goods over to the tribe in order to make friends with them and make contact with them. And it got to the stage where the tribe members began to put gifts back up to the plane through that rope in thanks. And so they were building good contact, good interaction. You know, they thought they were making progress. One day they, they decided to land on the beach. They met a few of the tribe members. They shared food. 
They brought the, 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 the male tribe member up on the plane. Everything was fine. But a few days later, when the bigger group came and they excitedly went to meet them, they didn't realize that this tribe members, for whatever reason, decided to come uh, with, 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 with a different idea. And they, just, they murdered these five missionaries who were out there. And as we read this story, we realize how enduring hope has to be because what a tragedy. They had been following the call of God. They had been following this hope that God had placed within them. And it looked like this hope was destroyed in despair. All five of them had been brutally murdered by the tribe's members. And everyone would have been wondering what was going on. In fact, the family members that evening as they heard the news, I can't even imagine what they must have felt. They left behind wives and children and family members who loved them, who were praying for them, who were believing with them. I don't know how they continued to carry on, but let me tell you that hope did not end there. It was a persevering hope that God had placed in them. Less than two years later, the wife of Jim Elliot and his young daughter went to live with the Huarani tribe. Can you imagine that? And Nate Saint, another one of the missionaries, his sister also went to be a missionary there and stayed with the tribe. And so they spent time with the very people who had murdered those who had been dearest to them. And they began to share the love of God. They began to share the hope of God. And they continued the mission that had been first given to the men that had gone. And one by one, the tribesmen began and tribes members began to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Even if you read um, the daughter's uh, Facebook, I went to it last night just to have a look, and she said, I grew up with the Huarani tribe. I love them so much. These are the people that took her father away from her. I can't even imagine the depths of that pain and despair. But the hope that God had placed in that family, in those families, was more enduring than any grief, more enduring than any tragedy, more enduring than any uh, darkness, more enduring even than death. What a powerful hope that God gives us that enables us to persevere, amen? And even that hope will persevere down to our children and our children's children because when it is of God, it lasts through generations. And I remember one of the CDs I had received as a present from my sister. It was a precious gift. You know, back then CDs were very expensive. The youth are here. Do you guys know what CDs are? <laughs> what does it stand for? <laughs> Pastor Bifong, you're not a youth. <laughs> Compact disc. I don't know if the youth of today even know what it looks like. Young adults, do you guys know? <laughs> I don't know. Let me tell you what it is. Have you been to Chuck Fun stores? And you see these round, shiny things spinning over the food? <laughs> Those are my precious CDs. And um, my sister gave me this um, gift, and it was a Stephen Curtis Chapman CD. It's an amazing album. It's called Declaration. It's about declaring our dependence in God. And there was a fourth song that I listened to that I found very unusual. It's called No Greater Love, you know? And at the end of that song, there was a very unusual part. Each song is precious on the CD, by the way. I think we can only fit like 
12 songs on a CD back then, right? Um, and they were like at least 40, 50 ringgit for each CD. So um, they were precious. But there was this unusual chanting that happened at the end of the fourth song. And I was wondering, is this meant to be here? You know? I'm going to ask the AV team just to play that part right now. Do you know what that sound is? This is a tribe member of the Huarani tribe who was one of the murderers of the five men. He accepted Christ. He went on a tour with Stephen Curtis Chapman's band, and at every stop that they went to, they shared about this testimony of how the gospel went out, about how the hope went out. And this tribesman who was a murderer before was now a born-again believer. And at every stop that he went to on the tour, he began to praise God in his tribal language. Amen? When I heard this part, there was just goosebumps on my arm about how God beautifully, supernaturally brings about the fulfillment of his hope. If we keep on hoping in what he has promised, in what he has dropped in our heart that is from him, he beautifully brings it to completion. Amen? Amen. And you see it even in Abraham's life. God had given him a promise that was so impossible in the hope of the world to fulfill. When God told him that he would be the father of many, many descendants, he was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old. And God didn't perform the miracle straight away. They had to wait for 25 years. He was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 years old before Isaac was born. It had reached a point where in the hope of the world, it was impossible. Medically, physically, realistically impossible. And that's why just now in verse 15 it says, and after Abraham waited patiently, he received you know, the, the promise, the thing he had been promised. And then in Romans 4, it says, Abraham had to hope against all hope. He had to hope against a hope that was of the world because if he only held on to a worldly hope, no way he would have continued to be patient, no way he would have continued to believe, no way he would have continued to, be, to have the faith to hold on to what God had promised. It had to be a supernatural hope in a living God. And so, through the example of Abraham, we see that persevering, patient hope as well. How many of you have been hoping for something, praying for something? I pray that this hope that is an anchor for your soul will continue to carry you through to the day when you will see the fulfillment of that hope. Don't give up. Keep pressing on because we trust in the God of the hope. No, not in the outcome that we hope for. That is powerful. His plans are good. He will work all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We put our hope in God, and it enables us to wait 
with perseverance and endurance. Amen? The final characteristic I want to talk about is this. It's a bit of an unusual one. It is that our hope is also an, an unexpected hope. Everyone say unexpected. You type in unexpected hope if you're online. And why it's unexpected? Because I've just spent the whole time telling you that our hope is sure, it's certain, it is confident, it is based on certainty. And then I'm telling you that our hope is also unexpected. And we see it even in Jesus, in the Messiah who came to earth that was so unexpected. What were the Jews expecting? They were expecting a mighty king, a conqueror, a, a powerful judge, a leader who would lead a great army against the Roman, the pagan Roman oppressors that the, the Israelites lived under. He was meant to overthrow all the pagan rule and then rule the earth and rule the nations, you know, with justice, with, a, with an iron fist and with, with, um, with love. And this was the Messiah they were expecting. In fact, there are over 300 messianic prophecies that talk about Jesus. But in spite of all these prophecies, in spite of, of, of all these uh, people of God waiting for God and, and reading all these things and knowing the things that should be coming, when Jesus came, they didn't expect him at all. They weren't able to receive him at all. The version of the Messiah that came came as a vulnerable, unprotected baby. Came in the most humble of circumstances. Was born in a manger because the inn didn't have enough rooms. It wasn't with grandeur, it wasn't with fanfare. This Messiah was so different from what they expected. He would, be, would then go on to, 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 to confront the religious leaders. He would flip tables at the temple, the temple of God. He would be tortured and crucified in the most painful and humiliating way. And this was not the Messiah they were expecting. And this is the warning for us today that if we are unable to receive the form that God wants to, 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 to release hope over our lives, sometimes we cannot receive it. Jesus not only came for the Gentiles, he came for the Jews, his chosen people. He came after giving so many prophecies. You know, in, in the Old Testament from Isaiah, more than 700 years before the birth of Christ, so many prophecies were given about who Jesus was. but they could not receive him, so many of them, because it was beyond their expectation. It was beyond what they envisioned. It was so different from what they had prayed and hoped for. And there is a lesson to learn here for us that as we pray, as we hope, we can't hang on to our own terms. Do we want the fulfillment of hope only on our own terms, only in the way we envision, only in the way that we want, only in the way that we desire? What if we're not able to receive the fulfillment of the hope in that way? What if we have to follow the terms set by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He is worthy. He is sovereign. 
to set those terms. Amen. And he decided that it was Jesus, God become flesh, that would come down and be the Messiah, be the hope of the world, be the light of the world. And yet there were so many that could not receive him. How many of you have been praying and the outcome is not what you expected today? Are you ready to surrender and say, God, whatever the outcome holds, whatever you intend from me, I trust in your good heart. I trust in your good plans, even if it looks completely different from what I've experienced or what I want. I want to share something that happened last night that really just cut my heart, that just spoke to my heart. I was having a conversation with my wife, just preparing for the sermon, and two terms just dropped in my heart to share today. One is unanswered prayer, and one is unfulfilled hope. And as we were talking, there was a realization that came upon my heart that in a certain context, Jesus himself faced the pain of unanswered prayer and unfulfilled hope. And that shocked me because I've always gone through just having a, a very easy answer. God is perfect. Jesus is perfect. You know, everything he prays sure going to happen. Everyone he prays for sure heal. Everything will happen exactly as he longs for, exactly as he hopes for. And then I turned in the Bible yesterday night to Matthew chapter 26, right before he was taken away by the authorities. And he told his disciples that night, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And I just began to read and it, it leapt off the page where he prayed to God saying, my father, if it is at all possible, would you take this cup away from me? But God, not my will, but yours be done. And then he went back to the disciples, found them sleeping, and three times he prayed that prayer. God, if it is possible, would you take this cup away from me? If it is possible for me to have Maybe a plan B or plan C where I could still accomplish the purpose that you want, but if it could play out differently, would you take this cup from me? And God didn't answer that prayer. Jesus went all the way to the cross, suffered and died for our sins, continued with plan A for God because not His will, but the fathers and I tell you why it affects me so much because there have been things I've been praying for this year that I've not seen the fulfillment of and I don't know why it affected me so much to know that my Jesus Messiah the King of Kings the Lord of Lords knows the frustration of unanswered prayer and as that leapt off the page into my heart, I just heard him whisper into my heart, Roger, I know, and Roger, I care. Just to know 
that He's not some distant God, and that He's gone through it Himself. I don't know why, it, got, it just got to me so powerfully last night. And I felt the need to speak into that today. That if you have unanswered prayer in your life that you've been holding on to, unfulfilled hope that you're still hanging on to God for, and you've been feeling like you're reaching the end of the rope, you don't know when the healing will come. You don't know when the salvation will come to your family member and you've been praying for so many years and you don't know where that fulfillment is going to happen, when the miracle is going to happen, when the breakthrough is going to come. Let me tell you today that God is present in your midst, in your journey. Let me tell you that He cares and He knows. He doesn't just know theoretically. He became flesh to feel all that pain. And Luke, the physician, even said that he found Jesus with blood in his sweat. That was the anguish of his prayer. And so, let me tell you that Jesus understands. Let me tell you that he knows what it feels like. Today, I want to encourage you to bring any unfulfilled hope any unanswered prayer that you've been still praying for to God today because He's going to place a fresh touch on your heart, remind you in His nature and character, teach us how to persevere even when we haven't seen the light at the end of the tunnel yet, even when we haven't fully experienced the healing that is to come, just to hang on. Amen. And the second thing is that we will learn to surrender to whatever the fulfillment of hope looks like. That we don't hold on to our own need to dictate how that breakthrough comes, how it has to happen, what the outcome should be. We trust in the God of the outcome. Amen. Can we just stand today as we get ready to close? I don't know who this is speaking to you today. That our God understands the pain of unanswered prayer. That He wants to come in and encourage you and assure you that hoping in Him is not in vain. That hoping in Him is based on promise and certainty. Amen. And so I'm going to give an altar call. If you've been praying for something, you've been desperate for God to move and you want just a fresh reassurance that His hand is still upon your life and your journey, I want you to come forward. I want you to step forward and bring that hope to God. Bring that prayer to God because He is the hope that we anchor ourselves in. And so, I'm just going to count to three and this is you. If you carry hope in your life for something, you've been praying for something and you want God just to speak into it. Would you just come forward in one, two, and three? Just come forward if you need prayer today. The pastors will be at the altar to pray with you, to believe with you, to journey with you, to love you, and to, to, to just have faith together in unity that our God is a God who delivers in His perfect way and His perfect timing. 
and that we can look to him and hold on to him no matter how dark it looks no matter how much despair we feel our hope is enduring because it is found in Jesus and so don't don't uh, be shy come forward we're gonna pray for you and the worship team will just go into a song even as uh, we go into a time of ministry thank you for listening to this message if you have been encouraged make sure to follow us on Spotify to get connected or find out more about the life of our church visit us on our website at gladtidings.my or follow us on social media have a blessed week